like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got the privilege of a visit with Ed Trickett for today's Song of the Soul. Ed has a passion for folk music and a solo career spanning decades. In addition to all the good music he's done on his own, he put in many good years as a third of the renowned folk group Bach, Muir, and Trickett. Dig a little deeper, and what else do you find? Ed Trickett is also a professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Ed Trickett joins us by phone from Chicago. Ed, it's a total delight to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much. Good to be here. I'm especially pleased that you could make time considering your busy day job. How much of your time is dedicated to your night job? It varies over the decade. When I was playing music regularly with Gordon Bachner and Muir, it probably was about maybe a month and a half or two months over the year. And now that I'm not playing with them and more settled in Chicago, maybe half that, a little bit less than half that. Was psychology what you were studying in college when you first connected up with Gordon and Yeah, it was. I I didn't connect with Gordon until after college. I connected with Anne in college, but I was studying psychology. I've always been either studying or teaching it or doing research in it or all some combination of the three. Were you a regular performer before you became part of Bach, Trinket, and Muir, or Bach, Muir, and Trinket? I want to get that right. I don't know if there's any egos involved in that. Oh, God, I hope so. It'd be a shame if we were sort of so selfless about all this. But I did perform by myself before as well as after, yeah. The first recording I did with Folk Legacy was before Gordon and Ann and I got together, although I knew them both at the time. So which calls your heart more, if it's possible to say that, psychology or the music, or what's that relationship like? I think I've really been blessed in the sense that I've had two callings rather than one. I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the commitments to both, but I've enjoyed the musician commitment. I've, I've enjoyed the freedom of not having to make a living at playing music, which I would not have had if I decided to do that full time. Well, there may be a lot of people who haven't heard you perform individually, haven't heard you without Gordon and Ann combined right, in there. Right. How about starting us off with some of your Song of the Soul music so we get some of your individual flavor? Sure. This first song, Gently Down the Stream of Time, uh, was a song I learned from Joe Hickerson a long time ago. It was written in the 1860s, but it sounds like a song that Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead heard before he wrote the song Ripple. And it's just, it's just a lovely song, and it has a kind of a life cycle feel to it. When I was in my mid-30s, I did this recording, Gently Down the Stream of Time, to do a life cycle uh, recording. And I, I was a little bit ahead of myself, because once I got too much past that time, I didn't know the songs didn't have the feel for it. But this was my effort. 
around this particular song and that particular issue. We'll start right off with Ed Trickett's performance of Gently Down the Stream of Time. Gently down the stream of time floats our bark toward the sea sweetly peels the evening chime hear it echo loud and free friends of God ties have been sublime careless words so idly spoken lie sleeping neath the stream of time careless words so idly spoken lie sleeping neath the stream time over all that golden shore forms unseen our chanting Lord strains we loved in days of yore memories of love Ago. Voices now are hushed forever. Tears and flowers through their grave, and this mighty rushing Gently Down the Stream of Time, performed by Ed Trickett. 
evidently the song back in the 1860s, Ed. That's a long time. The, the one word that gave it away that it was an old song, a dated song, was the phrase where they say, tears and flowers strew their grave. I've never heard anyone say that in my lifetime. Uh-huh. Are you a fan of things gone by? I mean, you're mostly into kind of traditional folk music as opposed to maybe the newer stuff. I am a fan of things gone by. I think it's been a wonderful, both personal and cultural resource for us for a long time. And I do have a great appreciation of traditional songs and singers who come from that traditional background, either as singers of traditional songs themselves, like Frank Prophet in North Carolina, or as writers or interpreters of those songs, like like Gordon and other people, Bob Coltman and so forth. You're not much of a songwriter yourself. You don't do much of that. You mainly interpret other people's songs? Yeah, I've tried to make myself be a, a good friend to people whose music I respect a lot. I write a lot in psychology, and I, I never thought I could pull off writing both in psychology and music. I just didn't think I had it in me. So rather than write songs myself, I tried to listen carefully to people I knew, and I was very appreciative of those, those kinds of music uh, that drew from traditional sources. And I think actually the second song that's coming up, Who's Gonna Buy Ribbons When I'm Gone, is one of those examples. I thought of another danger that might have been involved if you tried to write both for psychology and for music. If you started writing your psychology in rhymes, they might not take you seriously. <laughs> I think if I did that, I wouldn't take me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great discipline to try and do that sometime. I tried to do it in a, a Quaker workshop I was leading. I made the rule that people were going to do business decisions, but they had to do it in rhyme. And it totally changed the psychology of what was going on. <laughs> well, that's, that's a great premise. <laughs> well, you mentioned who's going to buy you ribbons. Why this song particularly? What, what about this calls to you? Why is it part of your song of the soul? Different, different, different reasons. Uh, one is that it, it was a song written by Paul Clayton probably 50 years ago, but it was a song that he crafted from a traditional song that he collected in Virginia called Who's Gonna Buy You Chickens When I'm Gone? And that was a little bit too rural, I think, for the folk music revival uh, of the 1950s and 60s. And he changed it to Who's Gonna Buy You Ribbons When I'm Gone? And so it's an example of, of sort of taking, drawing from tradition and making it one's own. But it also is a source of Bob Dylan's song, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Paul Clayton had a relationship with Dylan in, in Greenwich Village in the 60s. Some people think that, that this song from Paul Clayton had a great deal to do with Dylan's Don't Think Twice song. Well, there are two lines that are basically identical. I mean, ain't no use to sit and wonder why, darling, in this case. And I'm yeah. walking down that long, lonesome road. At what point does it become plagiarism? Beats me. <laughs> uh, if I was a lawyer, I could tell you about that. I don't know. I think there's a lot of different lines around many people in the folk music revival, borrowing, stealing, crafting, drawing from traditional sources. And I don't think that line has ever been totally clear. Well, it's a great song. Let's listen to it by Ed Trickett, performed... Who's going to buy your ribbons? Well, it ain't no use to sit and sigh now, darling. Ain't no use to sit and cry now. 
You know it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, darling. Just wonder who's gonna buy you ribbons when I'm gone. Time's on the railroad getting hard, babe. Woke up last night and saw it snow. Remember what you said to me last summer When you seen me walking down that road You know it ain't no use to sit and sigh now, darling Ain't no use to sit and cry now Trickett today for Song of the Soul. That's his performance of Who's Gonna Buy You Ribbons from his Echo of the Evening Tide CD. One thing that you're going to find out there, listeners, is that it's kind of hard to track down stuff about Ed. I had to search for him a little while before I could get him on my show because I didn't know to look for a professor of psychology. I was looking for a musician who had his own website. Is there a principled reason you don't have your own website, Ed? I would love to be able to say that there is, but I think I'd be fabricating the truth somewhat. I just have never gotten around to it. I've never been a particularly good promoter of my own uh, music, and I've actually not taken that as as a life task. I came very much out of a living room tradition. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid in summer camp in New Mexico, sitting around campfires with people, Howie Mitchell, a number of other people. 
a lot of time with George and Jerry Armstrong in their living room in Wilmette, Illinois, uh, when I was in college, in late, late high school and college, just sharing music. And I've always thought of it as a musical tradition, more so than a performance tradition. I've just not gotten into the performance part of it in a serious way. I mean, and in part, it's because it hasn't been my livelihood. I haven't gone that route. Does this mean if you do retire from being a professor of psychology that you might get a website and you might start being serious about it? One can never say never. On the <laughs> other hand, ride Jimmy the Greek, I wouldn't put terrific odds on it. Okay. I think I may just live my life as a well-kept secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try and include some links, and I'll certainly include your email address and some other links so people can track down your music. I, I'm not averse to being tracked down, by the way. I just haven't gotten into the right mechanisms for making it easy. Mm -hmm. By the way, the thing that absolutely made it imperative I get a hold of you was after I did my interview with Gordon Bach a couple of months ago, one of his fans and your fans contacted me and said, well, if you're going to do Gordon, you absolutely have to do Ed. So... It became a rule, and since she was from over in Scandinavia, I couldn't resist her wishes. Yeah, I think I think we have one Scandinavian, one German, and one Italian fan. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that the three of you toured all around the U.S. and the world, perhaps. We only actually got, except for Canada, we only got out of the U.S. once to go to Scotland and Northern England in 1977, and so we were mostly a, a U.S. phenomenon, such as we were. Share some more of your music with us, and we'll delight people, I'm sure. This next song is one of my favorite songs from Eric Bogle, one of my favorite writers from Australia, one of my favorite countries. A song called No Man's Land, a song about the war and the Australian participation in the war in World War One. A couple of years ago, we were in Turkey and had a chance to go by Gallipoli and saw many of the small grave sites of the Australians who died there one of the most moving experiences I've ever been part of. And when I was communicating to my friends in Australia about it, they reminded me that I was on holy ground. And this song was a song that I thought of in thinking about that experience. And also our son, Nicholas, who's in college, is a history buff. And when he was about, I don't know, 12, 13 or so, we went over to Normandy to let him experience the World War II sites. And he actually told us more about World War II than we knew by that time. So I've always had an affinity for the difficulties, the apparent necessity, the costs, and the consequences of wars. And this is one of the best songs I know about. No Man's Land. Well, how'd you do, Private William McBride? Do you mind if I sit here down by your graveside? Been walking all day in the hot summer sun. Walking all day and I'm nearly done I can see by your gravestone you were only 19 When you joined the glorious fallen in 1916 Well I hope you died quick and I hope you died clean For William McBride was it slow and obscene did they beat the drum slowly? Did they sound the fife lowly? Did the rifles fire o'er you as they lowered you down? Did the bugle sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the fall? 
Some faithful heart is your memory and shrine. And though you died back in 1916, in some faithful heart are you ever 19? Or are you a stranger without even a name, enshrined forever behind a glass pane? In an old photograph, torn and tattered and stained, and fading to yellow in a bound leather frame. Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they sound the fife lowly? Did the rifles fire o'er you as they lowered you down? Did the bugles sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Sun shining down on these green fields of France Warm winds blow gently and the red poppies dance have vanished under the clouds there's no gas and no barbed wire no guns fire and loud but here in the graveyard that is still no man's land countless white crosses in mute witness stand to man's pained indifference to his fellow man and a whole that's butchered and damned. Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they sound the fife lowly? Did the rifles fire o'er you as they lowered you down? Did the bugle sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Can't help but wondering, poor William McBride, did all those who die here know just why they died? Did you really believe them when they told you the cause? Did you really believe that that war would end wars? Oh, the suffering and the sorrow and the glory and the shame, killing dying was all done in vain for William McBride it all happened again and again and again and again and again did they beat the drum slowly did they sound the fife lowly did the rifles fire o'er you as they lowered you down did the bugle sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Did the bugle sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest?
Muren Trickett performing No Man's Land. It's truly one of the great ballads. I was reflecting as I was listening through some folk music recently that a lot of folk music tends to be anti-war and I would say pro-justice. There seems to be a large number of people who fall into the umbrella of folk music who I think mostly would be described as political liberals. Is there something genetic in the folk music tradition that makes that so, in your experience, Ed? Uh, I'm, I'm not up on genetics. So I, I would say that in, in a colloquial sense, I think that's true. I mean, a lot of the songs represent points of view of sort of working people and the have-nots as opposed to the haves. I mean, for example, my grandfather was a coal miner in West Virginia, and as well as being a, a part-time labor organizer about a hundred and some years, just a little over a hundred years ago. And he, he would tell me stories that would, you know, raise the hair in your neck about the kind of things he experienced there. And a lot of the folk music, I mean, folk music was really not composed from a have's point of view. And that is, I think, reflected in the sort of political, at least the concern with the underdog, whether or not it's totally a political left or right, I'm not so sure. But in that sense, it's, it's, it's clearly a genetic connection. And so many different songs either ask or answer the question, whose side are you on? I also think about country music being kind of music of the common folks, if you will. It's not a elitist type of music. It doesn't seem to have the same, I guess, say, political leaning or that, that outlook. Is that your experience as well? Absolutely. I think that's right. I mean, more modern country music is more modern music. I mean, a lot of the folk music is much more traditional and carry-on traditions that are, that are much older. But I think you're absolutely right that there's a, there's a folk quality to it, but it's, it's, it's not totally a, an apolitical music. I mean, you know, the Dixie Chicks get in trouble for doing things and so forth. But it's, it's much more sort of ordinary life circumstances than a lot of the folk music and not so clearly political. You know, some of the folk music that I know is ghastly. I mean, Anne Boleyn and other songs, if you will. I mean, there's all the songs about killing your partner and suiciding and all of those kind of things. That's a mainstay of folk music as well. I think that's right. I I tend to look at them as as sort of precursors of the soaps. You know, they they have all the kind of sort of issues of morality and, and injustice and folk music anyway, as you know, is a very gendered music. And usually the people whose heads get cut off are either uh, male servants or women. So there is that. But I think the years have sort of taken away the nuance in, folk, in traditional ballads. And you just sort of, you know, sort of say what's, what's there and you sort of get, get up with it and, and just tell it as it is. I'm not so sure it's a lot more gruesome than other, than other more contemporary songs, but it's a lot less subtle sometimes. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Scholars differ, I guess, on this one. <laughs> well, keep us going with your music. What's up next? Well, speaking of, of the theme you're talking about, Aragon Mill is a song I sang with Gordon and Ann. It's a song written by Cy Khan, and it, it has that kind of company town feeling that my grandfather grew up in, and the sense of loss that I think he, among other people, experienced. When my family moved from West Virginia to Washington, D.C. after the Depression, and my grandfather was plucked from his familiar environment and placed uh, right about a mile and a half from the White House. So I think about Aragon Mill and I think about my family with this song. And the only tune I hear is the sound of the wind 
As it blows through the town, weave and spin, weave and spin. At the east end of town, at the foot of the hill, stands a chimney so tall that says Aragon Mill. And the only tune I hear is the sound of the wind as it blows through the town. And spin, weave and spin. But there's no smoke at all coming out of the stack. The mill has shut down and it ain't a coming back. And the only tune I hear is the sound of the as it blows through the town, weave and spin, weave and spin. Well, I'm too old to work, and I'm too young to die. Tell me, where will we go, my old gal and I? And the only tune I hear sound of the wind as it blows through the town weave and spin weave and spin there's no children at all in the narrow empty street the mill has closed down it's a quiet I can't sleep and the tune I hear is the sound of the wind as it blows through the town, weave and spin, weave and spin. Sycon's Gems. It's called Aragon Mill, performed there by Bach, Muir, and Trinket. That is Gordon Bach and Muir and Ed Trinket, who's with us here today. 
Ed has his own career as a musician, but also in the Department of Psychology at the University of Illinois in Chicago. How long have you been there, Ed? Since 2000. We moved here in August of 2000 from Maryland. What's your specialty in psychology? What's your focus? My field is called community psychology, and it's in general, we are concerned about how environmental influences affect the well-being of people, the quality of school systems, the characteristics of neighborhoods, the kinds of social issues that affect psychological well-being, poverty, HIV, AIDS, violence against women. So we're trying to study people developing in the social and cultural contexts of relevance to them. The particular work I've been doing for the last 15 years that I'm really sort of piggybacking on the work of my wife, Dina Bierman, has involved trying to understand the acculturation and adaptation of immigrant and refugee kids and families as they come into the U.S. Uh, And also working with organizations to try to improve the degree to which universities can be resources to community organizations rather than drains on community organizations. So does this mean that in some ways your work in psychology, it kind of mirrors songs like No Man's Land, the trauma of war, and and the way that people survive or don't survive or carry those wounds forward? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm still the same person in both fields. Sometimes people do a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type transformation. I guess you're just Dr. Jekyll all the time. (laughs) Well, given how easy I am to find, I might be Mr. Hyde. I don't know. How much of your family would you say is blue-collar? I mean, I guess because you're a professor of psychology, you're white-collar now. Yeah, but my, my family of origin was all blue-collar. My family now is white-collar. My wife's a psychologist also. Her family emigrated as refugees from the former Soviet Union in the 1970s. Her parents are both very well-educated economists, but came over with nothing. So our family is doing well as far as the color of the collar thing, but I grew up in in quite a blue-collar family. I had an opportunity to get a very good education because I got a choir scholarship when I was a kid to the Washington Cathedral Choir in Washington, D.C., so I had a chance to go to a very good private school, St. Albans, on scholarship. That sort of placed me at home in a blue-collar environment and at school in a very white-collar environment. So there's that that kind of tension, but basically the history of my family is a blue-collar family. One of the things, because I've never seen you perform, is I don't know exactly what your instruments are. I I certainly have heard your voice singing a a number of times, so I know you that way. What are your other instruments that you play? Well, I play the 6 and 12 string guitar and the hammered dulcimer. I learned the hammered dulcimer a long time ago at the Fox Hollow Folk Festival in Upper New York State from a man named Russell Flurity, who influenced my mentor, Howie Mitchell, and I've always appreciated how that instrument sort of come to be developed. Bill Spence was at the Fox Hollow Festival at that time. John McCutcheon was there. It was really a hotbed of hammer dulcimer, future aficionados, I think. One of my favorite hammer dulcimer players and musicians that I've gotten to know over the last several decades is Kathy Barton from Missouri, who with her husband Dave Parra create wonderful music and have terrific relationships with the old-time singers and musicians around that part of the country primarily. And I got to know her and her husband in late 1970s in Kansas, and they were both able to join me on a recording I did in the early 1980s called People Like You. Rock the Cradle Joe is a tune that I learned from Kathy. She and I are playing it from the hammer dulcimer, and you can tell by the speed of the tune that whoever's in that cradle isn't getting much rest.
Rock the Cradle Joe from Ed Trickett's recording, People Like You. He's performing it there with Kathy Barton. Are you really a person who likes to perform with other people? Do you like to be out there solo? How does that work for you? I can do either. I, I like both, and I think the variety is nice, but I, I get much more energy playing with really good musicians like Gordon and Ann or Dave and Kathy. That was one of the nice things about the way that you and Gordon and Ann performed together as Bach, Muir, Trickett. You did some songs completely unified, but sometimes it would be a solo by one or the other of you. You didn't just meld, although you melded beautifully on the songs when you did. You brought your individual lights to that experience. We were very self-conscious of doing that, actually, yeah. One of the lovely things about working with Gordon and Ann is that neither of them likes routines. So, for example, we would never do the same concert. And if we went back to a city a year from when, or, or a venue, whether or not it was in a city, in two years in a row, we would never sing anything from the first concert to the second concert. And so when people would scream out that they really wanted to hear one of your old standards. That's right. We'd say, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not quite, I mean, it wasn't quite like that, but... We always put a premium on providing new things for people to hear. I think that's the more politically useful way of putting it. Well, then, could you politically correctly give us some more new music to hear? Sure. Again, from Missouri, from a guy named Bob Dyer, who's a wonderful, died a couple of years ago, was a wonderful, crusty guy, songwriter, and historian of Missouri music and folk tales. I uh, wrote a, a song called River Big Canoe about the Missouri River that I learned from Kathy and Dave. They're accompanying me on this recording. It's very gracious of both them and Bob to allow me to record this. So this is Dave and Kathy and me singing Bob Dyer's song, River with a Big Canoe. You can see her in the mountains in the melting snow. See her in the falling rain. See her dancing down through a thousand valleys. She's got at least a thousand names. She's the spawn of the ice of another age, the river of the big canoe. And she's rolling on down from the rocky mountains, carrying the great plains blues. From the Yellowstone, the mussel shell, James the Grand, the white and the bad, the Cheyenne and the white Moreau. She's the spawn of the ice of another age, the river of the big canoe. And she's rolling on down from the Rocky Mountains, carrying the great plains. When the Frenchman found her, she was Pecatanui, a muddy river wild and free. Gave her the name of the Indians who lived there, the people called it Missouri. She's the spawn of the ice of another age, the river of the big canoe. And she's rolling on down from the Rocky Mountains, carrying the great
steamboat wrecker and a river of gold. She's been a river of broken dreams. She's the spawn of the ice of another age, the river of the fake canoe. And she's rolling on down from the Rocky Mountains, carrying the Great Plains. She's the ghost in the night when the moon is full, the spirit in the mist at dawn. She's the light in the eye of the painter's mind, the music in the poet's song. She's the spawn of the ice of another age, the river of the big canoe. And she's rolling on down from the Rocky Mountains, carrying the great plains. River of the Big Canoe. It's from Ed Turkin's album, People Like You, originally written by Bob Dyer. And today we're with Ed Trickett. I first got to know of his music when he was performing with Gordon Bach and Ann Muir as Bach, Muir, and Trickett. One of the things that I ask all my guests, and so it's about time I ask you, because I know we're getting towards the end of the hour, is what your religious spiritual path has been. You mentioned growing up blue collar, and your white collar now, did that involve a uh, religious spiritual change as well? No, I don't think it did. I mean, I had a, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I had a scholarship, a choir scholarship to elementary school. I sang in the choir and was exposed to a lot of wonderful church music. It was an Episcopalian choir from the time I was probably eight years old through the time my voice changed. You can hear in what I sing now the remnants of church harmonies. But I did sort of become more secular over time in terms of religious attendance and involvement. So that part of my journey, I think, shifted, wasn't so much as a function of social class or what becoming one collar or another, just a combination of getting older and being involved in, uh, in more sort of social issues and not having religious things center my life the way they had earlier when I was singing in the choir and sort of you know, saying five, four, five days a week we practiced, and then we sang two or three services every Sunday. So I got a whole lot of church time in when I was younger. So maybe you paid your heavenly dues. <laughs> that, 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 that question's still up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be safe to say, and I think this is true for a large number of musicians, that there's a certain spirituality that you live out, a spiritual community you live in when you're part of that kind of music? That, in fact, when, you know, you gather together a number of musicians who are sharing these songs straight from their heart, that that's a kind of a spiritual or religious service, if you will. Does that fit for you at all? The religious does not. The spiritual does, but not in the religious sense. I mean, there's something very profound and deep about music. I don't know how to explain it, and I'm sure that you understand what I'm saying, that forms some kind of relational bond with people and the ideas and the images. And, and the circles that I run in or have run in I haven't experienced that as a, in a religious sense, but as a very deeply, profoundly connecting sense with other people around important human values and concerns. Well, do you believe that we have a spirit that lives on after our bodies die? And I, I'm setting you up for your final song, I know. Makes it sound quite ominous. Um, <laughs> 
I feel pretty agnostic about that. I'm just not, I mean, I, I sort of, I understand how people who have died live on in me. And I'm not sure how people who have died live on for them. But I understand how they live on in others. Do you believe in the spirit that lives on when you're singing a song like Broken Hand? For the people involved, I do. <laughs> but in any case, until this issue is solved, there is a song that speaks to what we've been talking about. And it comes from Dan McCrimmon in Denver, Colorado, who I met a long time ago as a musician there. But more recently, he's written a very wonderful story about a mountain man in that part of the country, Tom Fitzpatrick, who is known for, as Broken Hand because of a, a maimed arm that, that he got. And I'm not sure if it was involved with Native American fights or bear fights. But it's a conversation between the shade of Broken Hand, the ghost of Broken Hand, and Tom Fitzpatrick. And, about, and it's a conversation about how the world has changed from the times of Tom Fitzpatrick to a more contemporary era. So I think it's a, it's a nice sort of final down-the-stream-of-time song from the past to the present. It's late night in the ordinary And the candles gutter low Barky picks the glasses up I reckon it's time to go I have had one too many But I believe I'll have one more A bitter wind it spins around The child who's at the door Oh, winter follows on his heels As he strides into the room Dressed in greasy buckskin his face is hid in gloom Snow slides off his old capote As he stands before the fire You can see right through him Or I'll be bound to liar His eyes blaze out like cinders Beneath his shaggy hair They flash across the barroom with a fierce and living stare He sits down at my table To rest his crippled hand It's the shade of Tom Fitzpatrick Sure as I'm a living man Well, the lightning in our glasses Is fierce and clear as rain The face across the table is hard and clear and plain He says, old hoss, you are a sight For the eyes of a mountain man I thought you was gone, beaver Tom Says I to broken hand It was a time, he said, for the wildest and the best I rode for years with mighty men We made our own way west I sometimes thought that it would last Long as the mountains stand I was stupid as a pilgrim Said the shade of broken hand Old heart 
was too long, he said, with the Cheyenne the crow. The west come rolling over me while I held that it was not so. We all looked the other way while bandits stole us blind. And I helped these load wagons and sneak up from behind. Says I, you done the best you could and you was an honest man. You saw which way the stick did float and you tried to take a stand. But there were just too many with the gold dust in their eyes. You were only one against 10,000 oily lies. Now a broken hand falls silent and his eyes they seem to fade. He stands and he ties his old capote and he makes sure he has paid. A gold coin strikes the table, I look up, he is gone. Broken hand, he never was a man to linger long. Now buildings crowd the mountains and people choke the plains. We all live in greasy air, we walk in dirty rain. If I could, I'd walk away, surely take my stand Beside a smoky campfire with a shade of broken hand Beside a smoky campfire with a shade of broken hand From Ed Turkett's album, Echo on the Evening Tide, Broken Hand, his last song for today's Song of the Soul. Great encounter with those shades that they pass on the wisdom of the ages, right? Because they lived the historical events, we can trust them to bring truthful testimony forward to us. Isn't that the power of uh, the shade in that story? I think so. I think it's nicely put. And I know that we can trust you, always said, to bring us faithful testimony of years gone by, the songs you've collected and passed on to us. You're a rare singer in that you aren't pushing your own wares so much. And I do love so many singer-songwriters out there. It's also very good to meet someone who so faithfully passes on the riches of the past to us through your music. So thanks so much for doing that, and thanks for joining us for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a great conversation. If you want to track Ed Trickett down, find this interview and the associated links on northernspiritradio.org. As he said, Ed's not averse to being tracked down, and you can find him via link on my site. Look him up, and we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let it
so